are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. This is your host, Mike Luke, joined in again by Rob Lance. Rob, it seems like it's been about 24 hours. How you doing, bud? I'm well, man. And this is my favorite time of year, though, Mike, with the NCAA tournament going on. So I would it, chat sports every day this time of year. It in really, fact, I used to. And yeah, I kind of miss it. I was going to say, and it really is. And this is uh, this episode is going to be a little bit more of Pac-12 pride, to be honest with you. And we're going to start off with... Before we break into these games and what's just happening, what have been what's been your initial impression of what you've seen so far from the U of A Wildcat, or excuse me, from the uh, of all these Pac-10 te- or Pac-12 teams and what's going on? Well, we'll start there, Mike, with the 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 slip up of the Pac-10. That's really what I'm going with here. Colorado okay. doesn't exist. They messed this whole thing Correct. up. Correct. We're just going to go with the old Pac-10 is what we're doing here. Uh, so I've been extremely impressed with what we've seen. Uh, you can point to a team like. Uh, I think USC and Oregon were woefully underseeded in this tournament. And I don't like to necessarily get into all of that because you have to just play the teams that are in front of you. But you're seeing their talent rise to the top here. Um, UCLA is starting to scratch the surface. And Mick Cronin is a heck of a coach when it comes to, to this time of year, it seems like. And Oregon State is maybe the hottest team in the country right now. And one of the reasons that you know, they're where they are is because of Arizona, Arizona's postseason ban, uh, which gave the, the Beavs a chance to, to get into that fifth seed in the Pac-12 tournament. And then now, you know, they've found their way into the Sweet 16 and, and have a pretty juicy matchup against Loyola uh, with a chance to go to the, uh, the Elite Eight. So I would say if I had to wrap this thing up in one word, it would just be impressed. Impressed. And, and again, we're going to break down some of the games and what this means a little bit more for Arizona coming up here. But Rob, the thing that's, the thing that's really fun about this is that these are beatdowns. These aren't, these games aren't even close. These are absolute beatdowns right here. And I think that's, what's really exciting is that it's like, these aren't nail biters. These are one point games. These are absolute destructions where there looks like a major talent disparity at stake. Well, you can look no further than the USC-Kansas game last night, and the Mobley brothers just absolutely destroyed a true blue blood in Kansas. Now, is this a vintage Kansas team? Far from it. But still, to to hand the Kansas Jayhawks their worst loss ever in an NCAA tournament, and it wasn't even close, Mike. I think their their worst loss was like 19 points or something like that ever. And USC just ran them out of the gym like you haven't seen. And then, you know, a number two team, number two ranked or seed in, in Iowa gets run out of the gym by a much more athletic uh, Oregon team. That game wasn't even really as close as the as the final score indicated with the way that second half went. So I think you're exactly right. These have been just total beatdowns that, you know, maybe it's just going with kind of COVID this year that it was hard to get a read on some of these teams. But I think it's more than that, that maybe you're just getting the right matchups and the athleticism is coming to the forefront. Let's talk now a little bit about what the national perspective is of what we're, what we're uh, watching. And quite frankly, 
there's I think it's a little bit of shock. I also think it's a little bit of I can't really believe my eyes. And when you watch some of these people from especially ESPN, the one thing that keeps coming out here now is not really taking this seriously, saying, oh, well, you know, it's a covid season. So, you know, what are we really to expect? Duke and Kentucky aren't in here. So, you know, does this really count? And I think you're going to see a lot more of that, especially if these teams continue to advance. Yeah, I think that it's been called the Mickey Mouse tournament by a couple different uh folks and just because you know the true blue bloods didn't even make it or didn't even choose to to show up um it's not their fault that just it's doesn't not the sit Pac- well with me not that, the that, pack 12 beat the teams that are in front of you man mm-hmm. it's not the pack 12's fault that's for sure and so and everybody's encountering the same exact deals that's going on so i don't know exactly where where that comes from and like you said rob you still got to play the same teams and so the east coast media can miss me with that there was a couple really impressive games though that we're going to talk about coming up next but before that built bar we've talked about it a lot and built bar makes you big and buff built bar makes you strong and built bar more so than anything it tastes good when you get an opportunity get a built bar and it'll make your workout go even quicker that okay you're listening to Locked On Wildcats, brought to you by Blue Chew. If there was one game that encapsulated these beatdowns in the NCAA tournament that the Pac-12 is dishing out on everybody else, let's be honest, Rob, that's the USC-Kansas game right there. And that was a game that 100% was a mismatch from the beginning. It didn't matter that USC was probably maybe a little bit more talented it was still the name across the chest, and you had Kansas. This was a pick 'em game. But you could tell very early on that this was a mismatch of epic proportions. And that 35-point final uh, total was basically about what it felt like that USC did to Kansas. Yeah, I kept thinking in the second half of watching that one, Mike, just thinking like, man, Kansas could come on a run here and maybe cut this thing to you know 10 or 11 and, and maybe put some pressure on SC. But then you started watching the game a little bit more closely, and you're like, no, they just don't have the horses to do that. SC could kind of get whatever they wanted on the offensive end. And the the talent disparity, the athletic disparity was just there at the four. And, and of course you see it in in you know Evan Mobley, but then his brother making four for four from behind the arc in the in the first half. It kind of just snowballed on the Jayhawks from there. And when was the last time that you saw a let's continue to call him that a true blue blood, even though it's not your vintage, you know, Kansas teams, maybe like a Kansas team that we saw last year that was the best team in the country. When was the last team that you saw, time that you saw a team that has this kind of tradition just be this embarrassed on the basketball court? It, it does not happen that often. It doesn't happen. And more so than being embarrassed, looking like the other team just had better players. And we've talked about USC's height for a good percentage of this time where you've got both, you've got two, you know, generational type guys when you have two seven footers like the Mobley brothers, but it's just across the board. When you go two seven footers, you go six, nine, you go six, three, you go six, five. That is just totally different. And that was something that USC couldn't practice for. And USC just looked totally out of its, or excuse me, uh, Kansas. And Kansas just looked totally out of its element. And you got got the sense, kind of like the next game we're going to talk about, that if USC and Kansas were to play again, that same result is probably going to occur there, Rob. I, I totally concur with you on that, Mike. I think that, you know, maybe eight times out of 10, just based on the athleticism alone, USC is going to come away with a win in that game against Kansas, which is, is pretty 
pretty staggering. But if we're to believe the narrative, shouldn't have Kansas been a little bit more battle tested since they were playing in the tough Big Twelve? Yeah. I mean, they took on some tough teams, and in, in you know they Baylor, who may or may not. Obviously, I think Baylor's one of the top two teams in the country, and you want to talk about athleticism, they've got it in spades. But, you know, Texas was was a highly ranked team. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, these were tournament teams. Shouldn't have Kansas, you know, been a little bit more well-prepared if they were playing in, in this such a tough conference and during the regular season? Isn't that also kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, though, when the national media sorts say that, oh, well, this conference is great, this conference is good? I'm sorry, man. You can tell by watching the Big Ten so far. The Big Ten has a few good players, but they're slow. And I think Iowa is a perfect example of what happened when they got smacked by Oregon yesterday, or excuse me, on, uh, um, on Monday. Because... Iowa, uh, let's be honest, Lou Garza is awesome, no doubt about it. But the rest of that team was a bunch of guys like you and me out there that, yeah, they can get hot from three, but they had absolutely no ability to contain Oregon's athleticism and Oregon's dribble penetration. And just the difference in talent was just stark. Yeah, it was not necessarily talent, because I I think that you could say that Garza is a talented basketball player. I, I think the word that we have to look at, Mike, again, is just athleticism where Garza, great college player, probably could have been back-to-back player of the year nationally, uh, really one of the best, probably the best basketball player in the, in the history of Iowa basketball, um, for sure, and on the short list of maybe best Big Ten players uh, of all time. But just the the overall athleticism that you're seeing, it, it's it's almost like when you go and you see like Alabama in football right. taking on you know a team from the Big Ten. You know, maybe not Ohio State, but you, you see some of these Big Ten teams like, you know, we'll use your Nebraska Cornhuskers if they were to play. Just mm-hmm. it's a different type of athleticism. Right. It might not be a different talent level per se, because you're still going to be having good football players. The fundamentals might just be the same, but you just get guys that can perform on a higher level based on their athleticism than maybe their talent. Yeah. And that certainly showed out. That certainly showed in the game uh, with the Oregon Ducks against the, uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Now looking at uh, UCLA, another team that I think has really opened some eyes right here. And we got to like, you got to like where UCLA is headed right now with Mick Cronin. Absolutely. And isn't this the kind of thing that you've been kind of waiting for you or UCLA to, to flip the script, Mike, I know that you follow recruiting a little bit more closely than, than I do, but the Bruins have never been short on talent. Right. They've been short they, on they've coaching. They've always had talent. It's just been trying to put it all together. Mm-hmm. They've been short on coaching, and that's been the issue for them. I mean, you look at the Steve Alford years. Sure, you had you had nine first-round picks in a five-year window, but sorry, on top of that, you didn't have toughness. You didn't have good coaching. And that is a little bit of the issue though, that I think that the UCLA Bruins are always going to encounter if you don't have coaching in there. Now, my question for you is this, how far can the Bruins take this one? Oh man, this is a tough match. This is a really tough matchup that they got. Uh, You and I have chatted a lot. Nate Oates is one of my favorite, favorite coaches in the country. Uh, you go back and look at those teams. You don't need to tell Arizona fans about those buff- the Buffalo team that can just shoot the lights out. He's got that same sort of shooting ability on his team here at Bama, just with better athletes. Um, I think that Bama is a legitimate Final Four team. I think that Bama is a legitimate. You know, they are they going to run into Gonzaga maybe in the Final Four. I think so. Uh, it might be a bridge too far for them to get to the title game, but they're one of the top probably five teams in the country right now, and. You know, for as well as the Bruins are playing, this might be last chance saloon 
for them um, right. heading here forward. But uh, I think that, you know, this was a, they're the legitimate sweet 16 team, I think. And, and did that, they had to play in the play in game. Sure. But they handled that one really easily. And then they destroyed a BYU team that was pretty good through the, the course of the regular season. So I think that Bruins fans right now with, you know, second year in a big and first tournament appearance because of, of COVID Bruin fans, I know that probably have a little bit higher expectations than this, but I would be pretty happy with a Sweet 16 appearance and, and building in the right direction if I was the UCLA fan. If you guys aren't on betonline.ag, you should. And we're going to come back and we're going to give you some, eh, maybe some of our initial uh, impressions on some, some lines for the Pac-12 and maybe some money you could win. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats with Rob Lance. I am merely Mike Luke. All right, let's try to get some people out here some money, Rob. We got the lines that are out here brought to you by betonline.ag. And the first line is USC, Oregon. USC is minus one, which basically means that this is a pick 'em game. First blush. Oh, man, that's a first blush. This is a coin flip, in my opinion. It, really. it, it really is. First blush, what is your uh, take on that line other than saying that the guys at betonline.ag know what they're doing? They know what they're doing for sure. I, that Because I would have, you know, grab a quarter out of my pocket and, and flip it one way or the other. And I still probably wouldn't know which way to go. I just think that the, I think these teams match up athletically really well together. Um, I just think that the Mobley brothers are playing on a different level right now. And that extra size, I think gives SC a bit of an edge. I probably, I, I don't know if I would take that. The one point of course, doesn't matter one way or the other, because right. you're going to push if you take SC. So I'd probably be leaning towards SC in this one, even though, man, I, I hate going against Dana Altman though, too, because he can just throw some junk out there at you. That's a hard one, Mike. I don't know. Which way are you leaning on? I'm going to go Oregon just because of Dana Altman. I think when, I think if, if they, I think if Dana Altman had the Mobley brothers, I'd be going with USC in this one all day. Oh, but then that line wouldn't be one. The, so that line if, definitely if, would if not. If Altman had the better talent, then they'd be favored by oh, look at three or four. I, that, think. I think that's a great way of putting it. So that, I think, is certainly a something that people need to keep an eye on there. I like Oregon in this game. I think they win by about four or five. UCLA, Alabama. Bama is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I really want UCLA to win this, but I think Bama covers this one. I think Bama covers this one, too. Um, again, I just think that... UCLA, as, as they're playing really hot right now, you're still going up against one of the top five teams in the country, in my opinion, in, in Bama. And they just, I think they've just got too much shooting and, and too much ability uh, to get up and down the floor against against a, a tough Bruins team that's building something. But yeah, I just, I like the Crimson Tide in that one. I think this is the epitome of a team that maybe is kind of overshot a little bit and not in a bad way, but they're definitely playing really good ball right now, the Bruins are. And I think that they've kind of taken this about as far as they can go like you're you're as big a nato guy as there is out there and for good reason because of what he's building right there that was a really good hire by bama i think i think we're both on line here that we both like alabama to cover this one now let's talk about the surprise of the tournament your oregon state beavers your oregon state beavers my oregon state beavers our oregon state beavers they are six and a half point underdogs to loyola chicago and don't let the name fool you. Loyola Chicago is a mid-major name only. You can watch them until this program isn't going anywhere. What's your initial takes on those lines there, Rob? That's a lot of points in a Sweet 16 mm-hmm. game uh, to be laying. 
I just really like the way that Loyola runs their offense. I do too. I feel like they can get a good look almost every single time down the floor. And you want to talk about, you know, I think that UCLA, they probably tapped out as far as, you know, the, the most talent that they can, or kind of their high watermark of getting the Sweet 16. Right now, Oregon State is playing with house money. They weren't even supposed to get this far uh, at all. And, you know, winning their first NCAA games uh, since, what, AC Green was right. on campus mm-hmm. there in Corvallis. Talk about house uh, money. Even though it's a lot of points, I'm still leaning towards Loyola Chicago to cover that. Just I, I love I love Porter Moser's offense, and, and when they need a look, they can find one. Porter Moser is the guy out there that if you're an NCAA team and you need a coach, if you're not looking at Porter Moser, i.e. Indiana, you probably should be just because of what he's built there. It's one thing when a team or a program has – you know, one, you know, one nice run. But what he's built there, this is his second run where he's going to be knocking on the door of the final four at a school like Loyola Chicago. So you don't see that very often there, Rob. No, not at all. And I don't think that their win against Illinois was a fluke at all, Mike. You saw that and I thought that they just, they run such good stuff. And I'm going to come back to this. They're just, they're they're what you want out of a mid-major. They've got upperclassmen that have been in the program for a long time that just know how to get the job done. And I think you can really trust those guys, especially when they're this well coached when it comes down to uh, to March. I, I really like them in this matchup against the Beavs. Yeah, I like them as well. But one thing that Oregon State I didn't see come happening that they've really done is Oregon State has really taken the bull by the horn on this one. And they look the part, which is not something that I expected from Oregon State at all this season. Not at all. They they look like they're an athletic, competent basketball team, which you haven't been able to say about Oregon State for a long time. And, uh, you know, I I like Wayne Tinkle. I, I think that his team's I think he's a pretty good coach, uh, aside from the fact that, you know, recruiting to Corvallis is just too difficult, uh, right. I think, for, for even some of the best coaches out there. But I, I just I, I think you look at the head coaching matchup in this one, though, and, and uh, Moser just got this one uh, in the bag, I think. Yeah, we will. Uh, next time Rob's on, we're going to talk about Arizona Wildcats a ton and what this uh, goes down to. But we also wanted to basically kind of give everybody out there a little bit of a reprieve and just rep the West Coast right here, Pac-12 hoops. And uh, on top of that, hopefully we earned you a little bit of money in the process there. Rob, as always, thanks for coming on, my man, and we'll have you on again here soon. Sounds great, Mike. Always a pleasure. All right. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats.